0: Today's METTA talk is about METTA as a path to inner peace. Peace is something we all want, peace in ourselves, peace in the world. People want to live peacefully and they want to live in a peaceful country. But we also know that people or countries have always been fighting against each other, that there have been, and still are, conflicts, quarrels, and wars. We also know that people, or leaders, politicians, have repeatedly tried to establish peace, and they are still trying up to this day. You know, it's quite amazing, but also very sad that the world leaders, the politicians, have not been successful in establishing lasting peace. We know that you know, many politicians, they have big words of peace, wanting peace, signing tre- peace treaties, but then they use weapons to bring about peace. And since quite a young age, I have been thinking, how can they, the politicians, be so stupid to think that weapons produce the beautiful flowers of peace? I mean, each child knows an apple seed produces Apples, an apple tree. A cucumber seed produces a cucumber. And weapons, they produce blood, wounds, wars, enmity, and hatred. Most likely, you are also familiar with the sentence Peace is more than the absence of war. War, conflicts, quarrels, they arise because there is dosa and loba in the mind, in the heart. Dosa meaning all forms of aversion, ill will, hatred, enmity, and so on. Loba meaning all forms of wanting, greed, desire, craving, attachment. So Loba and Dosa, they arise in the heart and the mind of people. But also likewise, do compassion, kindness or patience, truthfulness arise in the heart and mind of people. So if we want ourselves to be able to be at peace, if we want the world to become a peaceful place, then we must ban these destruct- destructive emotions of dosa, loba, from the heart and the mind, meaning to weaken and finally completely eliminate all these forms of aversion, hatred, wanting, desire, and so on. So the basic cause of all these wars and conflicts and quarrels, the basic cause lies in the heart and mind of human beings. And the Buddha had said that everything springs from the mind, that the mind is the leader. So every physical action, every word, our speech, has its origin in the mind. And so we, need, we really need to go to the root of this problem, of the cause. And this means that we have to Um, recognize that it is this unwholesome mental states, or thoughts or emotions whatever word you want to use for them so that we have to weaken and finally eliminate all forms of dosa all forms of loba and of course this goes along with um, eliminate also moha the basic not knowing, not understanding. So only when the heart and mind of people is no longer controlled by any forms of dosa or loba, only then will peace be possible. Peace in ourselves and peace in the world. Shantideva was a Buddhist master in the 8th century of our area. And he had said, How many evil men could I kill? Their number is boundless as the sky. But if the thought of anger is killed, all enemies are killed. And in the preamble to the UNESCO Constitution, it is stated, since war begins in the minds of men, it is in the minds of men that the defenses of peace must be built. Beautiful words, aren't they? But then what are people or politicians doing they wage wars in the name of peace. I mean, it's really absurd. <clears throat> so we need to weaken and eliminate all these forms of negativity, dosa, loba, but to really establish a good base for peace we must substitute these negative thoughts with something good, with something helpful and wholesome so we must substitute these destructive and harmful mental states with mental states uh, thoughts that create harmony that create mutual understanding that create peace. And by now, all of you know that the opposite of dosa, anger, aversion, ill will, and so on, the opposite is loving-kindness, metta, friendliness, benevolence, or unconditional love. And also by now, you all know very well, metta is the wish for the welfare and happiness of all living beings. So metta, loving kindness is not only the absence of aversion or hatred, but it's this heartfelt wish for all beings to be happy, to be well, to be healthy. And by now, through your practice of metta meditation for 10 days, it is now you have come to experience that, you know, wishing others, another person, to be happy and well actually makes yourself happy and joyful, and you feel good. And this is what I hear in the interviews, more and more now people relating, well, yeah, when metta is present, my mind is really full of joy, or it is light and bright, or there is peacefulness, it's calm. That's the experience, yes, although... You know the the wish is directed to another person, but with the arising of loving kindness, and as we have said, it must. This is what we cultivate and train to let it arise in our heart and mind. So it makes us happy, well, peaceful, uh, and so on. And so when we are peaceful for at least a moment or a number of moments, you know, then we feel at peace in ourselves. And we also feel at peace with the world. And so then whatever is happening in us or around us does no longer interfere with our peacefulness because we are just at ease and in peace with ourselves and the world. And so in this mode of being, we can meet with each person, meet each situation in a peaceful way, in a friendly, open, accepting way. We all know that anger and all the rest of these unwholesome or destructive emotions are not really helpful emotions. They cause so much suffering and dissatisfaction for us and others. And even if we direct the anger at another person, actually this anger has a great impact on ourselves. Because the anger burns in our heart and mind. We experience the burning heat of this anger. And you know, it makes us feel crummy and bad and dejected. Those of you who have practiced Vipassana meditation, there you'll most likely have come. To experience very clearly this, the burning fires of aversion of dosa, because there you fully direct your awareness to the anger and feel it, observe it, you know be really in contact with it and there it's very painful to be exposed to the anger and then experience how much suffering that anger actually creates for me, although I want the other person to be angry or feel bad. A Sri Lankan monk who resides at um, Vihara Monastery in the Blue Mountains in Australia has once said, Becoming angry always means you are slowly killing yourself. It's true. You know, once we have experienced uh, the burning uh, fire of anger, burning our heart and mind, we have come to, or we come to see, how painful and unpleasant this is. And you know, in such a moment, we would like to simply switch it off, or you know, close the door and say, "You never come back." But then, a little while later, boom, another surge of anger comes up. Although we know intellectually that the anger does us no good and others also not it comes back again and again so what is it that keeps the anger so strong what gives so much power to the anger basically it's the identification with the I or the ego the self you know, that is, this is the basic delusion of assuming that there is such thing as an I, a me, a self. So then, when the I, the me, the ego has been wronged, or when it has been insulted or hurt, then the ego has a good reason to get upset and get angry at the other person, who, as it seems, is the cause for the anger. Or the ego feels that it has a good reason to hurt or insult the other person by using angry words, or even using um, a physical action. And lashing out one's anger in return often feels so good. You know, when we really pay attention to it, we come to see that actually this part, you know, the ego, or the seemingly solid ego, enjoys to be angry. It makes the ego feel good. This gives power to the ego, and so this makes the ego strong and solid. Anger, but not only anger, any other unwholesome emotions, they are actually ego boosters. They inflate the ego. They make it strong and uh, firm. And this is the reason why anger and other unwholesome emotions are so difficult to overcome. In the scriptures, in the Samyutta Nikaya, there is a short sutta which illustrates this deeply rooted conditioning very nicely. It's the story of the anger-eating demon. And what follows is a slightly elaborated version because the sutta is very short. And those of you who have attended previous meta retreats here, you have heard the story, most likely. I'm going to tell it again because I really like telling it because I think, illustrates so nicely this uh, conditioning of how the ego is inflated. And it shows a way how we can deflate it. So once there lived a demon who who had a very peculiar diet because he lived on the anger of other people. And his feeding ground was the human world, and there was no lack of food uh, for him. And the demon found it quite easy to provoke a quarrel, a family conflict, and it was also not too difficult to provoke a war. And once a war started, he had a good feast for a long time. So he never lacked food because there was always some anger around in the human world. And one day he felt a bit bored thinking, well, you know, it's so easy to get my food. You know, I have no challenge. Why shouldn't I go to the Deva realm and see how it is there? And he knew in the Deva realms, the anger was not so strong as it was in the human world. But still, devas still have anger as well. So by his magic powers, he went to the deva realm, to that uh, realm which was headed by King Saka, the deva king Saka. And he arrived there when King Saka was not in his big audience hall. And so the demon went straight up to the throne and sat on the throne, waiting what would happen. And the demon was a quite ugly being, so he sat there, grinning, waiting for a feast. And it didn't take long when some devas walked by and they noticed that this ugly demon was sitting on the throne of their beloved King Saka. So they came in, went up to the demon and said, Oh, you ugly demon, how you dare to sit on the throne of our beloved King Saka? Get down. How come you can do that? more and more devas came in and they got angry and upset and they shouted at the demon and the demon had a wonderful feast. Each angry word made him grow. He grew bigger in size, in strength and in power. And finally, he was so tall that his head almost touched the ceiling of the huge audience hall. But then suddenly, King Saka entered the audience hall. And when he saw this huge, ugly demon sitting on his throne, his mind, his heart was not shaken. Because King Saka, he had been a disciple of the Buddha. He had practiced the Dhamma. And it is said that his Dhamma eye was open, meaning that he had reached the first stage of enlightenment. So seeing the demon sitting on his throne, there this huge demon ugly and smelly and but grinning, very quietly he walked up to the demon, then very politely fell down on one knee and with his hands in Anjali, addressed the demon saying, Welcome my friend. How wonderful you have come for a visit um, to um, my palace. You know, uh, can I offer you a cup of tea or coffee? Or would you prefer to have some fruit juice? You know, we have organic papayas in the garden. Or maybe you are hungry. Uh, Can I offer you some lape? You know, the Burmese traditional snack, the pickled tea leaves. Or maybe you would like to eat some palata. This is what we just had for breakfast. Or maybe you are more into Italian food. You know, our Italian divas, they can make you a lovely pizza with mozzarella cheese and olives. Or maybe... You just want to have some fish and chips. And so in this way, talking to the demon very friendly, very politely, this made the demon shrink. So with each polite and friendly word that the king uttered, the demon shrank, got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until the demon had only the size of a green pea. And then King Saka said one more friendly word and poof, the demon dissolved and was no longer there. As I said, I just love this story, like the illustration of how this you know, conditioning works. So as long as we feed the anger, like the anger ego, then the anger ego is growing and getting strong. And so by feeding it, we solidify it. And this is the vicious circle. The angrier we get, the stronger becomes the anger ego. And the stronger the anger ego becomes, the stronger gets the anger. So to get out of this vicious circle, we need to starve the anger-eating demon. And how can we starve it? By feeding him kind and friendly food, kind and friendly thoughts, words and deeds, Meta-thoughts, meta-deeds, meta-words. That's the trick. It's quite simple, but a bit more difficult to really put into practice. However, the next time you get angry or upset, please remember, please try to remember this story and then start to feed the anger with kind and friendly food. You will see, it will work wonders. Not to react with anger or aversion is not a sign of weakness. On the contrary, it's a sign of strength. So if one can stay calm and friendly and kind, this actually shows how strong the heart and mind actually are. It shows how well the heart and mind is trained and educated. So to stay kind and calm and friendly is a sign of strength. It's not a sign of weakness. A person who exemplifies this inner strength is, for example, the Dalai Lama. He is deeply convinced that lasting peace for his country can only be established by peaceful means. But again, there are also very ordinary uh, persons who have to come, have to, come t- to deeply understand that the use of anger is actually counterproductive, that the presence or the lashing out of anger is actually creating more problems than solving problems. I think it was a bit more than two years ago when there was this terrorist attack in Paris, an attack in the Bataclan Music Hall where 89 people died. And among the people who died there was a woman called Hélène and the husband of this woman, he did not react with anger or aversion towards the terrorist, although his beloved wife had died. But his response was one of love, of meta love. He posted a post on Facebook just meant for his friends, but then that spread around the world. In that post, he said, kind of addressing the terrorists, I will not give you the gift of hating you. To respond with anger and hatred would mean to resort to the very ignorance that made you what you are. And he also said, that he was determined to raise his little son Melville in a way that he, the son, could be happy and free. And the father added that the world would also not get the hatred from his son. This was really the most dignified and humane attitude that could be shown towards this barbaric attack. In the Visuddhimaga, at the beginning of the chapter on how to practice metta meditation, it is said that we should start with the reflections on the dangers of dosa, all forms of anger, and to reflect on the benefits of patience. So here I will present just some of the many reflections that can be used. So first, some examples for the reflections on the dangers of dosa. When dosa exists in the mind, then we are no longer able to distinguish between what is good, what is bad, or to distinguish between what is wholesome and what is unwholesome. Or to reflect that if dosa is present, then we are actually imprisoned by this anger or ill will, and to reflect that it is actually us who, first of all, experience the anger, although the anger is directed at another person, and this other person may not even be aware that we throw the anger at him or her. Or to reflect that when our heart and mind is overcome with dosa, then we are very liable to make many mistakes or to make the wrong decisions, which we later regret. Or another reflection that is presented there, it is said that when dosa, is present at the time of death, then our minds will be confused and tormented, upset, restless. And dying in such a state, it is said it's very very likely to be reborn in an unfortunate realm of existence. And we should always bear in mind that we do not know when we are going to die. This can be any moment. We can also reflect on the effects that dosa has um, in the body, like manifestations of dosa uh, in the body. Dosa gives rise to high blood pressure or causes heart disease, or even a stroke. We also can reflect that, you know, when there is dosa present in a person's heart and mind, it actually manifests, you know, um, at the outside, you know, the facial expression of a person overcome by dosa is usually not a very gracious uh, one. In primary school, one teacher, I had, he, I loved him basically, but he had his attacks of dosa. And then his face was all red and the veins stood out and he threw the hair back and paced through the room. It was really not a very nice sight. Or another manifestation, you know, in the body, when dosa is present is when it is strong, people are no longer able to eat or to sleep. As I said, these are just a few of the reflections that one can do on the dangers of dosa. There are many more. Now I want to mention a few reflections on the benefits of patience or tolerance. The Pali word for it is Kanti. Usually translated as patience, tolerance or also forbearance. Kanti is one of the paramis, the perfections. It's also one of the blessings. So Patience or tolerance means that we do not retaliate with anger or irritation when we are scolded or shouted at or ill-treated. However, this doesn't mean that we just stay passive, that we just let it happen to us. You know, as in the case of Metta, as I already mentioned, you know, we can resort to an action, to say something, to do something, but we should make sure that it doesn't come from this place of aversion or ill will, or, you know, I really want to hurt him or her. You know, it should come based on, on metta and based on wisdom, on understanding. To really have the time to reflect what is appropriate to say or do, and then go ahead and do it or say it. The Buddha also extolled the benefits of patience, uh, mentioned the dangers of not being patient. And one place is a sutta found in the Anguttara Nikaya. So just as a short summary, the Buddha said that when we are endowed with kanti, patience, tolerance, forbearance, then we will be loved by many people, Secondly, we will be free from dangers. Third, we will be free from faults, mistakes. The fourth benefit, we will not die with a confused mind. And the fifth benefit, and after death, we will be reborn in a good destination. It is also said that there is no benefit that excels patience or tolerance. It's also said that patience is the weapon of the virtuous person. So there are many positive aspects of patience, of tolerance. And so if we reflect repeatedly on the benefits of patience, then we will better understand its benefits and better understanding the benefits of patience, then we will be more inclined to be patient or we are more willing to be patient and not give in to impatience so quickly. When I was staying at the forest center in Mobi, the, a branch center of Jamia inside the Uchanaka center, about 30 kilometers north of Yangon. At one time, there was a Western yogi meditator, and he had quite an angry temperament, and he got upset and angry very often. You know, little things just got him upset and angry. And so one time when Said Ujanaka came out to do the interviews with the foreign meditators, this meditator asked Zayed Ujanaka why Westerners seemed to have more anger than Burmese people. Somehow he must have noticed that Burmese people uh, do not uh, show anger or impatience so quickly. And I was present um, at that time, and so I was curious to hear Said Uchanaka's response. And this is what he said. This is so because Westerners do not understand the value and benefit of patience. And I thought, oh yeah, so true. Because nowadays, or even, you know, a decade ago, ago, the quality of patience or tolerance has become like an awkward commodity in the West because everything uh, is available instantly, you know, just one click or two clicks away so people can no longer wait. So these reflections on the shortcomings of dosa and the benefits of patience, they can be used in the metta meditation at the outset of one's practice, when one starts to practice metta meditation, They can be used when we get stuck in negativity, like being impatient or uh, when anger uh, is strong. Or we can use these reflections when somehow we are no longer able to cultivate loving-kindness. As we have said repeatedly, you know, when we engage in the cultivation of loving kindness, it's a purification practice, and other things come up among other things anger, aversion, ill will. You know, it's quite natural. It's not that you're doing something wrong, but it just shows that this. Qualities, mental states are still there. And so, you know, to deal with the negativity or specifically to deal with the anger in metta-meditation, we have pointed out several approaches and ways. And uh, what follows now is what Sayadaw Uindaka Indakam has pointed out uh, one can do when anger uh, comes up. So the first step would be to simply ignore the anger, well, acknowledge anger, but then uh, not pay attention to it and simply turn the mind back to the cultivation of metta. when anger comes up again and again, and this approach is difficult to continue to do, then the second step would be to apply these reflections, to apply the reflections on the shortcomings of dosa, anger, or, and the reflection on the benefit of patience. So by doing these reflections, but if the anger still persists, comes up again and again, or is very strong, then the third step would be to recall a metaperson, person, meaning that you direct the mind to a person for whom you easily can uh, cultivate metta. Saido said for him it's the Buddha. For others it might be their mother, or it might be a good friend, it might be a teacher. So then simply turn the mind to that meta person and cultivate meta for that person. But then if the third step is still not working well. If anger comes up again and again or is strong, then the fourth step, Sayadaw said, would do vipassana practice, meaning to be aware of the anger that is present, you know, to observe it, to feel it in a vipassana approach, until you know it gets weaker or it dissolves. And after that, return to the metta practice. So before long, you will start to develop metta for a disliked person or for a person you hate or for an enemy. This can be a bit more difficult. It can be challenging, or at times it might seem that it is actually not possible. But you know, as I've experienced and uh, as I've seen again and again, uh, when people practice metta meditation, you know, to after uh, practice more, less, depending on people's mm, characters, you know, eventually it is possible to actually cultivate thoughts of loving kindness towards a person we initially uh, think is my enemy, or I hate her, or I dislike him strongly. And the Buddha, was very straightforward in saying that we really must overcome all forms of dislike, of hate, of anger, of enmity, of ill will. We must become free from these um, mental states if we want to become fully liberated, if we want to live at peace peace in ourselves, peacefully in the world. We know that the Buddha did not approve of killing or harming other living beings. He always said that we should not kill, not harm other people, other living beings. One day, a man came to the Buddha and asked the Buddha, whose killing do you approve? What do you think was the Buddha's answer? And you might be surprised that the Buddha approved the killing of anger. He said, yes, anger should be killed well, eliminated um, from our mental continuum, from our heart and mind. So, you know, to kill the anger or in less dramatic words, um, we need to work towards overcoming all forms of dosa. You know, with our practice, especially with the practice of metta meditation, by making the metta quality strong, we weaken its opposite. Or the stronger the metta shines, you know, it's like the dosa melts. The sun is melting the ice block of dosa. So, the practice of metta meditation is really a very strong and helpful support in the whole process of purification, purification especially of all forms of dosa. But of course, the final uprooting of dosa, the final elimination. Of all forms of anger. This happens through wisdom, through understanding, through the practice of vipassana meditation. We also have a verse in the Dhammapada that points out that you know anger must be overcome with love, of course, with love. Meta-love, unconditional love. It's the verse, Hatred never ceases by hatred. By love alone it will cease. This is an eternal law. Although it seems to be so difficult to let go of these negative thoughts and emotions of anger, resentment, ill will we should make an effort anyway because it's also for us it's also for our sake for our mental and physical well-being it's for our peace of mind anger and the like they are really like unhealthy, and even toxic mental states. They are like poison for the heart. And as I've said, these thoughts of dosa and so on, they are nurtured and kept alive by the repetitive thoughts of ill will, anger, aversion, you know, kept alive and nurtured by the ego or the self. And, you know, even if we direct our anger at another person and nurture it by repeatedly uh, thinking these aversive thoughts towards the other person, that's actually like drinking poison oneself and then hoping that the other person will die of it. Viku Analayo is a German Buddhist monk and scholar. And he has said, Every minute, every second I dwell in metta is a moment where I'm free from anger. It is training the mind in experiencing the beauty in being without anger. And here comes another example of a person who deeply understood that all notion of anger or enmity is first and foremost hurting one's own heart and mind. It's about a Burmese man. His name is Utin U, and He was in prison for many, many years because he was a member of the NLD, the National League for Democracy, when it was not yet um, allowed. And during his many years in prison, he was very careful not to let his mind be overcome with anger, with habitual patterns, you know, seeing the others as his enemies. So he tried to see the wardens and officers in the prison not as his enemies, as one normally would perceive them, but he tried to see them as his friends. So he tried to prevent feelings of ill will or enmity towards people who simply had to carry out their job. later when he was freed or when he was out of prison he said in an interview during that time in prison i made it a habit to practice generosity i offered them the wardens the officers from the prison i offered them some of the food that my wife brought me here into the prison With this act of generosity, which is also an act of kindness, I wanted to prevent any notion of seeing them as my enemies. So I usually shared some of my food with them. They too had a hard life in prison, even though they were only working there and not being imprisoned. So even if peace out there in the world is not yet a reality, and even if people consider other people as their enemies, it is possible to establish peace in ourselves. It is possible to abandon the notion of enmity. And the cultivation of metta provides a path to inner peace so that we can be at peace in ourselves and that we can be um, at peace with the world. To end this talk, just a short verse... Treat everyone with kindness, even those who are rude to you, not because they are not nice, but because you are nice. I thank you for your kind attention.